A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Telling a woman that she can't be an elder is a nonsense rule. If they claim to be in the body, we let them have it. Donald Trump is going to win in 2020 by an absolute landslide. Heretics Christianizing the American dream. I said that you, uh, that, that many LDS folks and I uh, love the same Jesus. Uh, I still believe that. Sawing is a blessing from God to make you rich. And Jesus like a lottery ticket. The Lord spoke to my heart. Then very few times I've ever heard God be disarticulate with me. And I'm telling you word for word, these words came into my heart. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Master's Dog, episode 137. I'm your host, Norm, The Master's Dog Dunham, a.k.a. The Evangelical Norm. The Master's Dog podcast is uh, <clears throat> just what the, the quote at the beginning of the introduction says, when God's truth is attacked, I bark. And that's what I do. It started out as me just responding to the Saints Unscripted, formerly known as Three Mormons podcast. They have a segment called Faith and Beliefs. They started talking about the, the Articles of Faith of the LDS Church, <clears throat> and I wanted to respond to those and show how they did not line up with Orthodox Christianity. They continued on after the 13 Articles of Faith and went into issues of doctrine and other things, so I committed to respond to every one of those videos. The podcast was initially called Faith and Beliefs Refuted, because that's all I did. Down the road, some point, I decided I wanted to expand it out to deal with other false teachers and other things that come against the truth of God's word, and so the, the master's dog was born at that point. That's where the nickname comes from, Norm the Master's Dog Dunham. Uh, all that comes from that quote from John Calvin, uh, when God's truth is attacked, uh, I would be a coward if I were to remain silent. So that's what we do. That's what this podcast is about. Just a little background for those of you who are new. Again, a lot of new subscribers over the Evangelical Norm channel on YouTube. That's because of you guys who comment, like, share, have already subscribed and so on. Thank you, because you're the ones that make the algorithm send it out to more and more people to find this in search engines and stuff like that. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button, uh, hit the notification, get all the content that I release here, a lot of different podcasts that I do on different topics and so on. So a lot of stuff coming out, stuff coming out today and tomorrow, uh, playing catch up over the last uh, few hours to try to get as many podcasts done as I can before I go take a little nap since I worked last night and it's now three in the afternoon. So today I'm back to the roots of this podcast. We are going to be responding to the Saints Unscripted. Today's podcast is really, I'm, I'm assuming it's because it's Black History Month that they're doing this. They're going to talk about, David's going to talk about the priesthood ban where men, black men were banned, were not allowed to have, to hold the Mormon priesthood. Did various reasons why that was done and excuses that were brought up i guess the best thing you can uh, call it of why these men were denied the lds priesthood it's a very very long video i may turn this into a two-parter honestly i don't think i'm going to respond to the entire video as, as it is there's a point in time where 
I can stop and just say, this is the problem with what you're saying. And he actually kind of addresses it at the very end of the video. Maybe I'll jump down to that at some point. But uh, we'll just see how it goes. Not a good thing when the podcaster is already yawning. But it's been a long day. So we're going to jump right into this. We're going to just, we'll just see how it goes, how far we get, um, and decide if I'm going to do a part two uh, tomorrow or something like that. So without further ado, here is our friend David from Saints Unscripted, and he's going to tell us about the Black Priesthood Band. Hey everybody, well, hey everybody, welcome back to another episode. Today we're going to be talking about some rather controversial issues having to do with race in the history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Just slightly. But before we jump into this episode, I think it's important to acknowledge something. This topic can be challenging and painful for people of any color. It's certainly challenging for me. That said, frankly, as a white guy, this issue has not affected me to the same degree that it affects black men and women. I'm going to go over some history with you and share some of my personal thoughts on this subject, but it's really important that we listen to what black members of our faith have to say about this. They can speak to these issues from a different perspective than I can. To that end, I'd strongly encourage you to seek out those resources. Talk to your Black Latter-day Saint friends and family about this. And if you like our channel, feel free to check out some of these interviews we've published in the past. There will be more to come in the future. With that said, let's jump in. Thanks for watching. Okay, let's just pause for a second right there and, and, and deal with this. Okay, this whole apology of, oh, I can't do it, I can't, I'm a white guy... History doesn't matter. If you're accurately reporting the history, it doesn't matter what color you are. I mean, can a, a black person speak to the black priesthood band better than David can? Well, no, because it's the same situation. Does it emotionally or, uh, you know, in some way affect them differently? Uh, yeah, I would say that. I mean, are they... Are their emotions towards this going to be a different thing? But if we're just literally just reporting the history of what happened, it doesn't matter. Okay. Again, this is this is this is part of the issue that is coming up with all the woke stuff and everything else. Um, you know, if we're if we're just dealing with historical situations, as long as it's being reported accurately, I mean, if you're white and you're trying to deny any of this stuff, well, then obviously it's a different thing. But if you're accurately accurately reporting the history of what happened, it doesn't matter what color it is. I mean, I don't. It doesn't matter to me, my newscaster, whether they're white, black, Asian, Hispanic, whatever, as long as they're accurately reporting the news. Does that make sense? So that I mean, that's just something that that stuck in my head there, so we'll continue on. One other thing. the re Again, the reason why he's saying go talk to your black LDS friends and family or whatever is the hopes that they will go, well, you know, it wasn't. it's not such a big deal. We don't worry about it. And I'm, I'm assuming, this is an assumption, because, again, I've only met a very few uh, black Mormons, very few, uh, because this issue is an issue that keeps a lot of black people out of the LDS church because you can't adequately explain it away. 
You can't. There's no way. And you're going to see as he gets into this video how issue over issue stumbles over each other to show that there's there's no valid way of explaining why this happened other than the racist attitudes of the LDS leaders in the past. Now let's carry it. Hey guys, so currently in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, all worthy men may hold the priesthood and all men and women may participate in sacred temple ordinances. But that wasn't always the case. For much of its history, from the mid-1800s until 1978, the church did not ordain men of black African descent to its priesthood or allow black men or women to participate in temple endowment or sealing ordinances. This was known as the priesthood and temple ban. Today, what we're going to do is dive into the history of the priesthood ban specifically and see what we can learn about the development of this former practice. Let's now understand what that means, that they were not allowed to engage in the temple ceremonies. That means none of these people could achieve exaltation. None of them. They could be members of the church, but they were second-class citizens. Right? They were second they could they were like a single woman who was never married, who never had a husband, to call her out of their grave by her secret name, so she could just at the best be a servant of some kind in heaven. None of these people could I mean, black men did not get to have their wives in eternity or any of these things until nineteen seventy eight. Keep these things in mind because it's gonna become very important when we talk about this. Uh, as he goes on. Let's do it. All right, so first things first. Did the priesthood ban originate with Joseph Smith or his successor, Brigham Young? According to the church's Gospel Topics essay, there is no reliable evidence that any black men were denied the priesthood during Joseph Smith's lifetime. On the contrary, there were black men in Joseph's lifetime who did receive the priesthood, such as Elijah Abel. In 1847, a couple of years after Joseph's death, we even have a favorable acknowledgement from Brigham Young that black men held the priesthood. Referring to Q. Walker Lewis, he said that we have one of the best elders, an African in Lowell, a barber. Yet, a couple of years later in 1849, Brigham Young changed his position, saying privately to Lorenzo Snow that the Lord had cursed Cain's seed with blackness and prohibited them the priesthood. Of course, this idea that black people were cursed descendants of Cain was not unique to Latter-day Saints. It was a centuries-old idea that many people just commonly assumed to be true. And unfortunately, the tradition seeped into Latter-day Saint thought. Similarly, there were... Stop. Full stop. This is where we can literally stop the video. We can stop responding to anything at this point. Because if God has placed his prophet, if the 14 fundamentals of the prophet speech that Ezra Tapbenshin gave in 1974, if these things are true, if God is actively give, having a, a relevatory relationship with Brigham Young at the time, how did a false notion that was part of the culture at the time seep into Brigham Young's repertoire, right? How did it, how did, was he somehow convinced by somebody and God didn't tell him it was wrong? Right? I mean, this is the man that is supposedly, he said many times that he received revelation from God, but God just kind of screwed up on this one. 
forgot to tell him that, oh, by the way, the blacks aren't the seed of Cain. They, they're not the cursed seed of Cain. Right? All this leads to the fact that, again, all of this is is leading the the intention of all these podcasts that I do is to show you how false the LDS church is, how deceived its members are, how they've been lied to for years. I mean, this is why I get so angry because I believed these lies for years as a member of the LDS church. I believe the lies that they told. And I get so angry when I start watching this because, again, oh, I I believe that this is a prophet and that God has given us a prophet. We thank thee, O God, for a prophet to guide us in these latter days. Where's the guidance? You have a racist man in Brigham Young who put his racist attitudes in because he had no, no, communications with God. There was no fear of God before his eyes, Romans 3. Let's continue. Were a lot of people both inside and outside the church who believed that black people were cursed descendants of Noah's son, Ham. The first time Brigham Young talks publicly about a priesthood ban comes from a couple of speeches to the territorial... Okay, so let's get to this. So... People believe that, that blacks were the descendants of Ham. 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 You can say it the way it's pronounced. It's Ham. Others and are the, the descendants of Cain. But the Mormons actually have a explanation of how, and whether it came from Brigham Young or somebody along the line, they actually explain this is how Cain's descendants came in because... Uh, Ham had a wife named Egyptus who was black. This is their this is their explanation. This is the explanation that I always got. Because it was like, well, didn't all of Cain's descendants die in the flood? No. Ham married one of Cain's descendants who was Egyptus, and that thus the, the cursed line carried on through Ham. And if none of this is true. Why is it that, that, that this became a teaching in Mormonism when they have a prophet from God who, you know, is supposed to be able to give, not be able to lead them astray? That's what the 14 Fundamentals, Ezra Taft Benson's speech from 74, the prophet cannot lead us astray. That's what he said. The legislature in January and February of 1852 as lawmakers discussed the issue of slavery in the territory, which probably deserves its own episode. Brigham said, as far as the common comforts of life, salvation, light, truth, enjoyment, and understanding is considered, the black African has precisely the same privilege as the white man, but they cannot hold the priesthood. He also tacitly acknowledged that this was a practice beginning with him, if there never was a prophet or apostle of Jesus Christ that spoke it before, I tell you, this people that are commonly called Negroes are the children of old Cain. They cannot bear rule in the priesthood. Now, it's... Okay. So this is Brigham Young making a statement as a prophet. He is proclaiming himself. So in other words, he's saying that God told him this stuff. He is saying, I'm the prophet, and no other prophet said it before me. I'm saying it now. 
leading to the implication that he thinks that God told him this. Not just that he picked it up somewhere because other churches and other peoples believed it, but because acting as a prophet of God, he is teaching this. It's important to note that while some past leaders assumed or believed the ban did originate with God, there is no record of the ban ever being presented to the church as a formal revelation from God at any time. In fact, let's fast forward all the way to 1879. Brigham Young had passed on, but Elijah Abel was still alive and well. He approached President John Taylor and asked for permission to participate in some temple ordinances. Elijah had received the washing and anointing ordinance in Kirtland and participated in baptisms for the dead in Nauvoo, but had not yet received the full temple endowment. Abel's request prompted an investigation into the status of blacks in Mormonism. This was an internal inquest that demonstrates the lack of a firm and universally understood policy as late as 1879. Although it is true that LDS leaders were not actively ordaining black men to the priesthood, even the highest officers in Mormonism were unsure of how to proceed in the case of Elijah Abel. The investigation resulted in President Taylor acknowledging Elijah's priesthood and he let that ordination stand. But he assumed his ordination had been a mistake, and Taylor did not allow Elijah temple blessings. But again, so we don't have an official, but you got the writing of Brigham Young saying, if no other prophet spoke it before, I'm speaking it now as a prophet. So it wasn't a, and again, here is what the Mormon church does. Well, we don't have any official thing, but you have the words of your prophet. Oh, but we can deny those because the words of the living prophet supersede the words of a death prophet. It is so freaking convenient. Right? So convenient. Because you're not bound by anything. It's so easy to throw your former prophets under the bus. I'm glad that I'm part of a religion where I don't have to do that. Do, do we have imperfect people in the past? And Yes leaders of the church fathers and so on. I don't know any of these men who are claiming Luther, Calvin, Knox, Swingley, Whitfield. I mean, the list can go on and on and off the top of my head. I can't think of all the names. Polycarp, uh, Constantine, uh, Augustine, or Augustine. You know, all of these men, Athanasius, the... None of them were claiming to be prophets. They were scholars. They were, they were studied men. They knew the scriptures. We have the apostles that were called by Christ that wrote the scripture. That's what we have in, in, the, in the Bible. And that's why those have been canonized. But beyond that, none of these men spoke the way that Brigham Young claimed to speak. He said, I am never given a sermon unto the children of men, being that I can look over it, cannot be sent out as scripture. Brigham Young's words. He said everything that he preached, everything that he said, as long as he can overlook it and correct it, was scripture. None of these other men of leaders that were imperfect men in the, in the past, Luther and so on, in the in the the history of Christianity of Orthodox Christianity, claim to say we are putting forth new doctrine as Scripture. 
Again, I, I do not have to go on beyond this point. We're four minutes in. I'm 20 minutes into this podcast, and I really don't have to go any further. I'm going to continue for a little bit. I, I know I'm not going to get through the whole thing. But again, it's the convenience of being able to say, well, you know, our new prophets found out this other stuff. So God is constantly changing his mind? What kind of God is that? Well, okay, yeah, the black men are cursed. Well, no, no, they're not. Uh, you know, uh, Elijah Abel, he's okay, but he can't do this. And he was all that. But, you know, and, and, and. this is what happens when you reduce God from almighty God, from omnipotent, omniscient, um, you know, omnipresent, eternal, one being God, unchanging Unlearning. God doesn't learn. He knows everything there is possible to ever know. So he doesn't learn. He doesn't progress. He doesn't get better. He can't get any better because he's absolutely perfect. But when you reduce him to a guy who was a man who has, you know, had to earn his own salvation and then became a God and so on, suddenly you've got a, a, a God that is swayed by the winds. That is not God. Mormonism is false. Bottom line. And the racism that happened in it is proof. Because you have to go back and you have to play all these freaking spiritual apologetic acrobatics and and so on and theological acrobatics to jump through this hoop and twist this around and make this look like it was okay and it was not. Joseph Smith was not a prophet. Brigham Young was not a prophet. What's his name, Russell Nelson, that's there now today is not a prophet? And none of the men in between have been prophets of God. They are liars and con men. Deceiving millions and leading them to hell. Do we have to go on? Do we really have to continue? Let's go. Elijah died in 1884 after serving his third mission for the church, where, of course, he used the priesthood. President Joseph F. Smith, who had defended Elijah's priesthood in 1879, changed his position in 1908, asserting that at some point Joseph Smith had nullified Elijah's priesthood, though there seems to be no evidence that that conclusion was accurate. Lies. Again, I mean, it's bottom line. You've got a guy that's going, oh, well, Joseph, well, you know, I was here and I defended this, but now, I'm okay, but Joseph Smith must have avoided it, and I think he did, but we don't have any record, no history. I'm lying to you to meet the, the, the whatever political climate of the era. That's why the ban was lifted. No matter what this guy is going to say in this video, and he's going to get there, and he's going to say, oh, no, it wasn't really about the political pressure, because it it was about the political pressure against BYU. No one was going to play them in sports, because they would not allow black people in. It was the political pressure of the time on the church that caused Spencer W. Kimball to change the, the, the doctrine, to change the theology. Oh, God, suddenly, okay, all worthy white men, according to what Brigham Young had said, suddenly must have the priesthood because now the black men can get it. Where Again, the words of a dead prophet are now superseding the word, or the words of the living prophet are superseding the words of the dead one, and so we can just do whatever the heck we want because, uh, you know, we're nailing jello to the wall. 
right? I mean, literally, I mean, he's basically saying Joseph F. Smith, Joseph Fielding Smith, whoever, is now lying to say, well, you know, this guy, well, he's dead now, so I don't have to face him and talk to him about it. But Joseph Smith nullified his priesthood at some point in time in his life. Uh, we don't know when, and we can't say how, and, and we've let him uh, continue on to use this priesthood until now that he's dead, but now we're saying, well, he never really had it. It was nullified. Do you not get it? Do you not recognize the deceit and the deception and the evil that is underlying here? I need a drink. As the collective memory of Elijah and other priesthood holding black men faded, each new generation of LDS leaders continued to decide the issue based upon memories of prior precedent and previous statements, sometimes reaching back to Joseph Smith in their minds and other times to Brigham Young each succeeding generation becoming increasingly locked into the previous generation's precedent, especially as they grew to believe that it was a pattern established by Joseph Smith himself. As we'll see, the attitude of some leaders essentially became, this is the way it's always been, so this must be the way God wants it to be, even though it wasn't the way it had always been. Despite there never having been a formal revelation instituting the ban. Again, these are men that are supposed to be prophets. Why is God silent on this? <clears throat> Why is God not communicating to his prophets saying, this is, you're wrong. You're telling these people wrong things. Why? He, he gets there at the end, but basically, well, God just wants to let these guys go ahead and be, be the guys and, and let them be imperfect and, and something to that effect. I don't even remember where it is, but I'm, I'm at this point, we're 25 minutes into this and I've lost my freak of mind over this. And so I've just got to let it go. I've just got to stop because I can't, I, I just, I can't, I can't. We're out. I'm, 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 I'm pulling the ripcord and I'm jumping. Not even a quarter of this video through. Go watch it. I mean, take your time. Go spend your 20 minutes and watch it. And just understand, watch it with, with discerning eyes. Watch it with discernment. Recognizing the fact that, understand, these are men leading this church that are supposed to be prophets. And of all the things that God is telling them about, plural marriages, this and that, so on, he's neglecting to tell them this glaring thing that, oh yeah, black men can have the priesthood, but... No, he just, from at least 1884 when Elijah Abel dies until 1978, almost 100 years, God's just like, well, you know, we're just going to let these, these poor black people not be able to receive exaltation. You know, we'll, we'll deal with that and baptisms for the dead and all the endowments for the dead. And hopefully we've just got some good records of these people so we can get them all. Because all these people who served in this church and so on, that, that don't get to be exalted because they weren't able to do this because somebody made a mistake in the past and I'm not willing to fix it. What kind of God is that? Right? I mean, based upon the, the Mormon teaching of who God is, it is it, it, it literally fits in with what they think about God. That he was once a man, and he's, he's continuing to grow in knowledge and stature, and he's going to move on and become greater and greater as we become, well, not we, but Mormons become gods and, and so on and so forth. 
And so, you know, he just had to learn this too, apparently. That is not God. Our God, the God of the Bible, the God that created everything, does not learn. That that sounds like an odd statement. But he knows everything. There's nothing that he can learn that he doesn't already know. It's called omniscience. There's no way that he can progress to become better because he's already as perfect as he can be. It's omnipotence. Omniscience. Omnipresence. Almighty. Eternal. Unchanging. The Mormons didn't get that memo. They skipped that part of the Bible. Or it just wasn't translated correctly. I do encourage you to go watch the rest of this video. I there there are other videos of, of guys talking about their experience with the the priesthood ban. I mean, I I haven't watched any of those. So, but again, the the priesthood ban, whether it was whatever it was, it it literally shows the the fallibility of those prophets. And here, here again, here's, here lies the thing. As he gets to the end of the video, he kind of tries to explain this. Go watch that and see what he says. Because I don't remember exactly what it was. But it was something in the effect of God, you know, a very perfect man and blah, blah, blah. God gives a test for a prophet in Deuteronomy. It says, if a prophet presumes to speak in my name and those things do not come to pass or those things are false... You should not fear him. Literally gives the test of the prophets in his word. And every single LDS prophet has failed. Everyone. Proving that not a one of them was truly a prophet of God. They were all deceivers, liars, con men. You pick your terminology for them. But they were leading people astray. Millions and millions of people, and I'm, I'm confident on this, millions of people who were led by these men in the LDS church, following after a false God and a false Christ, some point in time, standing before Christ, and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, did we not do these things in your name? And he's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And it's all because they believed the lies of a false prophet, a a complete succession of them, and ignored the evidence that these men were false because of a burning in the bosom, because of a feeling that can be reproduced by my wife's chili, which is good, by the way, but sometimes gives me heartburn. Literally, I know what the, my burning in the bosom felt like. The many times that the, 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 my testimony was manifest by a burning in the bosom because I prayed about it. And I literally can reproduce it. I can cause my body to feel that same thing at will. I can do it. Because it's an emotional response. It is a physical response to an emotional feeling that I can drum up in my head. It's hypnosis. 
It's deception. It is lies. I've said it before. I mean, you can have faith in something that has not been proven. Right? You can, again, there are things that, that, that I have faith in that, that, that I don't have absolute physical proof for. But if you're going to, to put your faith in something that has mountains and mountains and mountains of evidence against it, and you're going to ignore it because of a feeling? That's not faith. That's futility. That's gullibility. That's tragic. So there you go, guys. Um, Lost my mind a little bit. Long long video. Hopefully you find it helpful. Um, talk to your black LDS friends if you know any. I don't know any. Um, talk to them. Share with them what is true. That, that, that God is not a respecter of persons. That, that God, the gospel is available to everyone no matter what their ethnicity, their, their gender, their past history, but they have to repent, put their faith in Christ, the true Christ, the true God. And they have to turn from their sin. They have to trust his work and his work alone. That's the gospel. And as always, we need to preach that gospel at all times. We have to use words because they're necessary. Until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.